Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Torin Ellis. And Torin and I will be diving into diversity and inclusion, as well as aspirational vision. And I'm sure you're wondering, what is aspirational vision? But before we jump into that, here's a bit about Torin. His tenure practitioner, optimizing diversity and inclusion efforts, impacting sourcing, recruiting, and talent development through the executive leadership lens. He's sought after speaker nationally and internationally. 2020 included PMG, RAC, Smart Recruiters, Transform RM, True Value, and Universum, to name a few. He has 20 plus years as an activist entrepreneur supporting some of the most recognized logos in business. Marries the, marries the business methodology of diversity and inclusion with the social impact of pursuing such. Blossoming radio persona bent on creating career and diversity related content on media platforms, further socializing the need for equity and inclusion of underrepresented talented. So with that, you can see that Torin is a man on a mission and he has a plethora of things that he's doing on the forefront as well as behind the scenes. So do not undermine or estimate his abilities because he is a wild card and you never know where he's going to come shooting from. So without further ado, please do me the honor of welcoming Torin Ellis to GEMS Podcast. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I, I must tell you, you know, when we think about where we are right now, uh, sitting here in the week that uh, some folks are saying the anniversary of January 6th, um, I think it was probably the darkest day for me um as you know as a black man who has experienced so much here in these united states i'll never forget that day i'll never forget what we were doing i'll never forget uh how the day kind of unfolded so as we are recording during the week of that one year anniversary thinking about it's the new year we're supposed to be celebratory and in a very good mood some folks had a challenging 2021 Yes, some folks had a beautiful last year, but some folks had a challenging 2021. We have babies still in cages at the border. So there's so much for us to talk about and to focus on. And I just trust and thank you, uh, Genesis. I should say I thank you, Genesis, for trusting my voice with your audience here on your platform. And thank you so much for honoring the one year anniversary of January 6th, because that was a trying time for a lot of people, especially whether you were at the White House or outside of the White House, amongst with all the other turmoil that has taken place in society around maybe the George Floyd incident. COVID-19, the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of businesses were closed, and so many other intricate pieces that has rocked and shaped the world of what we now know. And some people ask the question, would things ever go back to normal? I am not the creator of the universe. I am not God. I am not, you know, the master, and I don't have all the answers. 
But in my personal viewpoint, do I think things will go back to normal? In my opinion, I don't think that things will go back to the way that it was. If anything, we will learn from the past in, um, incidents and situations, and we will evolve around that in hopes of doing things that are better to make this world a better place. But, you know, history does repeat itself, but it repeats itself in a different ways. And if you think about it from a fashion standpoint, what we used to call bell bottoms back in the early days are now called bootlegs. So even though history has repeated, the way of labeling things have changed. But is it the same thing? Yes. So now when we dive into your subject matter expertise of diversity and inclusion, also equity and aspirational vision, when you see yourself on the forefront and you see yourself as a melanated, African-American, Black male, or however you choose to identify as, what has rocked your life based on the is issues that have arised in history so far? And how has it helped you? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, one of the things that has rocked has been the fragility of white people. Um, and in this work, there are two words that begin with an F. One is fragility. The other is fatigue. On the fragile side, white people and their sensitivity, their uh, avoidance and wanting to, to not have conversations around responsibility, not having conversations around privilege, not having conversations around guilt, not having conversations around racism and bias and prejudice. They don't want to have those conversations. When I say they, I'm certainly being uh, general, I'm generalizing when I say they, not all, but far too many of them are fragile. That fragility has been a disappointment for, for me over the decade or so that I've been in this space. The other side of the equation, Genesis, is the fatigue because Black and brown people feel like, well, we've seen this movie before and the organization has promised us that they're going to do something and nothing has changed. Uh, I've been vying for a promotion or going after a promotion for the last three years, four years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and being told, no, I, somebody sent me a text message uh, just a couple of days ago going after a job. You know, I hate to say this, but it was a job that paid less than $40,000. Person has probably a good 10, 15 years of experience could do the job, in my opinion, with their eyes closed and absent and still being passed over for people for lesser experience. So that fatigue by black and brown people, like I'm just tired of chasing the conversation. And where does that leave us? It leaves us in a place where we haven't had the type of progress that is deserving. We've had minimal progress. We've had nothing that has been substantive. You mentioned George Floyd a few moments ago. In the uh, aftermath of George Floyd last year, uh, I'm sorry, in 2020, I think the number was somewhere in the neighborhood of $58 billion that companies of all stripes said that they wanted to throw at um, racial injustice and social injustice and divert 58 billion in commitments. As of June of 2021, 0.5% of 
of that money have been realized. So when you put that type of data in front of people, when you look at the human intelligence, the observational intelligence of the actions of many white people, the paralytic frustration of many black and brown people, that to me is the biggest disappointment because a person like myself, who was connected deeply to humanity, I want to see progress. I don't want to see people being excluded. I'm not trying to take what they have or what they have. I want us all to have. So it's frustrating when you know that you have these forces working against your being able to chase the type of progress you want inside of these organizations. And that's so profound that you mentioned that, Torin, because I would rather see progression over perfection. As long as you're making progress in a certain area, even though it's not perfect, as long as the wheel keeps turning and we have these courageous conversations and we have these um, unconscious, unbiased conversations where we could intersect and meet each other where we're at. Because one of the profound singers that I like by the name of Mendisa, she says, tell me why we're all divided. Um, and then she says, when we all bleed the same, because no matter what color you are, no matter where you came from, if each one of us gets cut, we're all going to bleed red. So why is there so much division among us as a human race? And where does that division stem from? And then whenever you see yourself, if you are part of a certain organization, but that you don't see representation in that organization that looks like you, then you begin to ask yourself, am I just that token holder or am I that placeholder? So you could show your shareholders that you are inclusive, you're diverse and you're equitable, or am I just here because you need a face that looks like me, but you don't care about the promotion and the upward mobility of my career succession and planning. And I've seen it time and time again, especially being a melanated African-American woman from the oil and gas industry. You don't see a lot of people in oil and gas that look like you and I, especially at the board of directors level. And if you do, maybe it's one person and it may be a male or a female. But then when you look at the company organization, you see a lot of us at the bottom and a lot of us are qualified and they could do the capabilities, but there is a lot of nepotism. There's a lot of sexism and there is quite frankly racism because Oil and gas is a good old boys club, predominantly ran by older Caucasian white males. So whenever you see a Black woman that comes in who has a degree from a accredited university, who knows, who knows what she wants, knows her work ethics, she gets labeled as aggressive or the angry Black woman or et cetera. Or if you see another African-American person that is in power, They've worked so hard to get where they are. They feel like there's that craps in the barrel mentality where if they help some, someone else that looks like them, they feel like, oh, maybe you're going to take my job. So you see a sense of you know, jealousy. You also see a sense of ownership and entitlement where things are closed off. And this is just speaking from my experience, just being in the industry. But you mentioned something um, very profound earlier. You talked about the two Fs, fragility and, fra and fragile. 
Yes, there's so many people. No, fragility, oh, fragility and, fatigue. and fatigue. Fatigue, yes. Sorry, my correction. Fatigue and fragility. So a lot of people are very fatigued. They're just tired and they just feel like enough is enough. But when you say enough is enough, what is that causing us to do for the next generation? Because there's going to be more people that look like you and I that are coming about. And then whenever you look at fragility, how do you really unpack what fragility is and explain it to someone who does not look like us? Well, I'm a, so let me tackle the first one. So what happens, you know, when you check out and does that have an impact on, you know, the generations that are following us? It absolutely does. Someone's got to fight. You know, if, if we didn't do what was done in the late 1800s, just immediately after slavery, we would have set ourselves back even further, considering all that they were experiencing. You can fast forward to the Montgomery bus boycott or the March on Selma. You, there are so many different examples. Um, Irish individuals, when they came over, the challenges that they had to go through from you know, converting from Ireland to living here in the United States and how they were ostracized and they were othered. If, if, if they didn't go through some degree of fight and then a degree of assimilation, imagine where they would be. And so you have history is replete with examples of if you quit, then you are only and you are absolutely impacting those that are coming behind us. And so we see that right now with the fight around critical race theory, with the fight around what we are, um, what we are and are not teaching our young, young people in schools, we can't afford to let up. We see the fight around voting rights and them not, or some of them not wanting people to be able to vote or let's suppress the vote. We have to fight back because if you don't, then you will find yourself experiencing what people experienced in the late 1800s. There is, there is precedence as to why and what we experienced for 100 years after the Tillman, I think it's the Tillman Hayes Act, what happened for 100 years when voting was lost and or challenged and the Ku Klux Klan and everything else got to rise up. So we have to always be willing to fight. That fight is gonna look different, Genesis, but we have to be willing to fight. For some, it'll be in the street. For others, it'll be legally. For some, it'll be financial. Some, it'll be a boycott. Some, it'll be a protest taking a knee. Everybody's got to find a way to participate and to push progress and humanity forward. That's the first thing. On the other side, how do we get them to recognize their fragility? Well, we got to get them to understand that you are human. You asked a moment ago, well, where does this start? It starts with us as individuals. There's nothing sprinkled in the atmosphere that is telling people to be uh, aggressive that is telling people to exhibit bias in the workplace or in the community. There's nothing saying uh, let's uh, be prejudiced uh, in our corporate corridor or in our community, be racist in our corporate corridor or in our community, pay women less in our uh, organizations. There's nothing being sprinkled out of the sky. That's who we are as people. So this thing right here is a human thing, which is the reason why when I hit a microphone, when I get engaged in a consulting um, opportunity, when I'm coaching an executive, I am working on you being a better human. Mm. And that's amazing because if you think about being a better human and you think about the word humanity, you have to put the human instincts back in humanity in order for humanity to really 
drive to what its core is and what it's set up to do. But if we take away the human instincts and us learning more about emotional intelligence, you know, and all of the things that comes with it, then I feel like that is causing us to regress versus progress. I don't know if you agree with that statement, but that is what I see and how I feel about it. And especially being first generation American, my parents are foreigners. My dad was South American and my mom is Caribbean. I've been afforded to, you know, travel the world and see things from a different lens outside of America. And it has actually widened and opened my viewpoints when I see people from different religions and different cultures assimilating and behaving the same way. And then when you come back to the US, you see that there are so many people who are entitled, so many people who are privileged, but they have never stepped outside of their quote unquote box and assimilated with someone outside of another culture or travel the world to see how other things are done. Then when I look at our race torn as a whole, I see that there is a problem within our own race of colorism. And I've had people tell me, oh, you're Oreo, or you're not, you're not Black American, you're a different type. And I said, no matter if you think I'm a different type of Black American, at the end of the day, a white person still sees me as a Black individual, no matter if I am South American and Caribbean descent, no matter if I am truly African American, no matter if I'm Black American, I am still Black in their eyes, just like you are. So we still have the same fights and struggles. And no matter if my dialect, my tone of voice or whatever is different than yours, I am still black in their eyes. So why is there so much rift between us? I'm trying to make it just as you're trying to make it, but we can complement and complete each other versus be in competition with one another. But how do you go about doing that in your own race when we are so divided? If we're divided, what is that communicating outwards to other people? Well, I mean, it, it, that, that fractured is what they, they thrive on. They thrive on, and when I say they, whoever they is. In this instance, they is not just white people. They could be other Black people. They could be, you know, individuals that are, um preying on our community so people win when you are fractured when you are not whole when you are not locked in arms and moving in the same direction with the same mission and you may not have the same intensity because we move at different pace but if we all see or if we saw more of a shared north star whether it be around our community whether it be around our health uh, and how we show up on healthcare indexes, whether it be around family, family structure, education, pursuits of education, whatever that is, if more of us, and I'm, I'm in no way, Genesis, suggesting that we don't have a good number of black and brown people that are focused on those North stars. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that no matter who we are, no matter what community we come from, if I just start to dissect us as humans and we put groups in here or you group people like this or group them according to zip code or group them according to education status or group them according to acad uh, economic status, financial status, whatever it is. If you are grouping people, but you can fracture those groups and get people to be you know, at odds with one another, 
then you win. And that's what we have to recognize. And we have to recognize that there are so many different tensions that are pulling on us as humans, which is why I absolutely, absolutely say two of the most powerful words in our lexicon are love and process. If I love you, then you don't really ask a whole bunch of questions around, well, why did Torrin say this? Or why did he do that? Or why did he tell me to go there? And he wasn't necessarily, if, if you know that I love you, chances are you're really not questioning the motive. You're not questioning the action. Absent of that love, then Genesis is probably saying, wait a minute, why did he say that? I got to process you. You're processing. Well, why did Torin say that? Why did he push me in that direction? Why did he, you know, close that door on that opportunity? That was for me. You don't understand what my intent, my uh, insight is. You, you have to process what was that action done? So love and process are two of the most powerful words in our lexicon. And trust me, I'm guided by them. No matter what it is that I'm doing, I'm guided. It's like that crossover from a LeBron James or an Allen Iverson. I'm guided by love and pride. That's right. I'm guided, you know, by them. I'm, I'm, I'm always moving on that rhythm. Like, all right, look, is this one of these moments where I get to love what's happening? Love the individual, love the situation, the event that I'm in. I ain't really feeling this joint right here. I'm going to try to test it out a little bit. You know, I'm going to see if I can give them a little bit. But I'm always moving through that frequency, that cadence, if you will. So I just know that, you know, when we when we talk about that absence and, you know, that lack of humanity, all of that stems Genesis with us, period. I like that. And another thing that I would add too, because I love the love and the process in the lexicon, I would also add unity because when you have unity, it brings us together and there is no division because we see people for who they are and not just how they look or what they bring to the table. You generally see them as a human being and you begin to um, build based on the similarities, the way that you are more alike versus the way that you are different. And that truly encompasses the diversity and the inclusion, as well as the equity and the belonging. And now I want to segue, but I want to segue into aspirational change. And I want you to hit on that for a bit while being respectful of your time commitment today. Yeah, I mean, for me, aspirational change is I just feel like we can do better. And, and I, I operate and move, wake up every single day saying, today's going to be that day that we as humanity, we're going to do better. We're going to do better around uh, protecting our elderly. We're going to do better around rebuilding our community, fortifying our communities. We're going to do better around protecting our climate because something is happening as it relates to our client. We're going to do better around our philanthropic endeavors, giving back more. We have plenty. We can afford to give up some of what it is that we have. I operate knowing, feeling like we're going to do better. If I get specific as it relates to diversity and inclusion, that aspiration for me is, how do I get, how do I move in a way? How do I shift the narrative in a way so that when people hear diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, 
it resonates with them. I want to message Genesis. I don't know if you are uh, of age enough to recognize the two names that I'm about to say to you, but I want a message that hits Archie Bunker and George Jefferson at the same time. If you I, don't know who they are, you I can uh, you, you have to Google them. You have to Google them. But, I know George I wanna, Jefferson, but you, it's you like, know George Jefferson. That's side. right. You got it. You got it. You got one of them. So now you got to figure out who Archie Bunker is. I want a message that hits both of them at the same time and says it grabs them and brings them in. And the only way that I can get there is to think in an aspirational way, to think in a very creative way. Sure, I can do diversity and inclusion consulting or speaking or coaching. I can do those traditional, usual activities and things, but I also need to be thinking creatively, how can I pierce that veil of, of commitment and engagement while I'm going to have to operate differently? I may have to put something different in the marketplace. I may have to leverage one of these platforms differently. I can't use it the way that it's being used or, or what it is that I'm looking for is not even developed as of yet. So when I say the aspirational vision, I'm always looking to change how humanity receives the message around diversity and inclusion. That's beautiful. And that just drives me into you being a visionary, because whenever you think about your aspirational vision, you're thinking about change, you're thinking about longevity, sustainability, and you're also thinking, how is the imprint that you are making driving the impact that you want to see to be a world changer? And that's how I would summarize that because we all have imprints to make while we're here on earth and the imprints that we're making, what type of impact is it driving? Is it driving an impact in our community? Is it driving an impact in our family? And how are people gleaming from what we're putting down? Is it building people up mentally, physically, and emotionally, spiritually? personally and professionally, all of those things stem off of what we do and how we are all here to be a human vessel and a vehicle to get a message across. And then how, if you think about the, being a world changer, you have to reverse engineer and say, how do I want people to view me when I transition and pass on? What do I want them to say about me? And it's about the fruits of your labor. What have you done? What seeds have you sown? How has your smile curated or changed somebody's day? How has the book you've written, the podcast you've done, the speaking again? And there's so many other things that are intricate in that. But it's so profound that we kind of do the mirror work and look in ourselves in order to have that outward experience and exchange. And I want you to close us off, Torin, with one or two gems and be mindful that the core pillars of GEMS podcast is to educate, inspire, and motivate. And remember, we're all here to intersect, change lives, and help one another. Yeah, so I will say, um, you know, in addition to those two words, um, you know, a loving process, that's, that's what guides me as an individual. What guides me... Uh, in doing the work uh, around diversity and inclusion, four words, empathy, intentionality, proximity, and transparency. And for those that are out listening, those that may see video snippets or the video of this conversation, 
I want you to think about how empathetic you are to various people's scenarios and situations. We always talk about company culture or corporate culture or culture. And we think we, we talk about it as if those things start when we hit the organization, when we swipe the badge and walk in the building, when we park our car in the garage and go up the elevator and come out of the elevator, automatically we are uh, enthralled with corporate culture. But honestly, culture starts inside of people's circumstance and condition. Culture starts in how I rise up in the morning. Am I a single mother who has to catch two and three buses to get my children to childcare and then I get to work? Am I a, a person who is being battered at home and work is my only escape? Like I really, really need to be outside of the house because I have a spouse who is mentally or physically abusing me. Am I a worker who is waking up inside of a scenario where we are caring for aging parents? That's a different type of stressor. Do I have a disabled child in my scenario that I need to care for? And I, before I hop on the Zoom meeting that we're on right now, let me, let me just say to you, it's different when you are empathetic to people's scenario, when you are intentional about doing diversity and inclusion, when you get proximate to people, I wanna understand your scenario, your situation, your life, who are you? How are you driven? What inspires you, motivates you? That proximity, that trust is built. And then we got to be willing to be transparent. Listen, I don't really know a whole lot about the Caribbean culture. I don't really know a whole lot about the Irish culture. Or I don't really know a whole lot about being, you know, from a poor neighborhood or transparency. Oh, I didn't know that saying that was offensive. Please help me learn. We got to be willing to be transparent. So Empathy, intentionality, proximity, and transparency, four powerful words in the DNI space. That's for DNI. For every single person, whether you're in DNI or not, the last thing that I'll say is P minus I equals R. Potential minus interference equals results. I want you to pursue your full potential. Get all of the things out of the way that are keeping you from hitting your goals, blocking you from making the progress that you feel you should be making, allowing you to connect with contacts that will help advance your work, your business, your uh, endeavors, provide you with the motivation, the support, this, uh, the, the resources that you need. Let's get all of that interference out of the way so that in 2022, you can experience a different type of result. So many gems you just dropped there, Torin. And Torin, tell the listeners and the viewers how they could get in contact with you, your social media handle, your um, business website, or any information you would like to plug. Yeah, I'm across all the social media at Torin Ellis. Again, at Torin Ellis. It's really, really simple. I own the domain. I own the domain in the Web 2.0 world. I own the domain in the Web 3 world. I'm at Torin Ellis across all of social media. Uh, my website is torinellis.com. My crypto website is torinellis.x. I got it all. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and you just heard Torin Ellis 
All of his contact information will be in the show notes. So there is no reason for you not to be connected to Torrin Ellis. And until we chat next time, make sure you remind yourself of who you are daily and be so intentional with your vision, your purpose, and get clarity because you are here for a reason and the world needs you to be uniquely and authentically you and stop living in the image and shadows of other people being a carbon copy is not cool but being original that's what's happening and that's what's up and I need you to be your greatest self because the world needs you to show up and pop out because you are on a mission and make sure you don't you don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on our YouTube channel Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Until we see each other next time, have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to Gems Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor. So please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.